Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. I want to thank you for joining us for our sermon series called Gear Up. And we are walking through Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, and we are talking about the armor of God. But before I begin, I want to share with you one of my favorite pastime Saturday events. It wasn't soccer, it wasn't basketball, it wasn't baseball or softball. Even though I loved all of those events with my kids, it was Nerf Wars. Yes, the Nerf Wars. How many parents out there have been in those amazing events called Nerf Wars? And everyone in our house participated in our Nerf Wars. Whether it be Sue or my daughter Becky, all of my boys, and all of our dogs. And everyone loved Saturday mornings because it was Nerf War. We created forts and we created games like Capture the Flag. And, and we would play for about an hour and a half straight. And we used to have this tub of Nerf weapons. We had the guns. We had the bow and arrows. We had every type of Nerf weapon possible. And it was such a blast. There was so much laughing, so much screaming, so much jumping on one another. But, but I remember those times, because it happened multiple times, where you would get cornered. And all of a sudden, you would be ambushed, where several of the boys, or Becky and Sue, would be coming running at you, and they would just start shooting you repeatedly, pop, 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 pop. And, and there's only a couple things to do. One is run for your life, not really for your life, but you ran from the Nerf guns. Two was you would crawl up in a ball and hope that you were not going to get hit, but you were going to get hit because they just stood over you and would shoot you. Or you would have a reaction and you would grab the closest pillow off a couch or off the floor because pillows were all over the place and you would start shielding off the Nerf bullets or the Nerf arrows. Now, here was the interesting about it. Whenever we went to Nerf war and we broke up into our Nerf armies, we would grab the guns or the bow and arrows. But we always forgot about the pillow shields. So why is this so important? You're like, Rob, how does Nerf wars have anything to do with the armor of God? Because what we've been talking about so far is the protective armor that we put on. But what we're going to talk about today is one piece of armor that we are supposed to pick up that Paul talks about that is our shield defending the fiery arrows that the enemy is constantly shooting at us. And so as we go into this day, I want to pray that you would understand that God has given you armor that you are to put on and you are to wear but there's one piece of armor that you are to pick up, take up, so that you can deflect all of the enemy's attacks and lies that are thrown at you. So here's what I want you to do. Open your Bibles to Ephesians 6, and I want to pray, and we will begin. Father God, I want to thank you for so many fun Saturday mornings. And God, as I was preparing for this message that as I was thinking about the perfect illustration 
I was able to just smile of the joy that my children have brought me with simple things with, with Nerf Wars. But just as important as I thought about the Nerf Wars we had, you, you were teaching me a spiritual truth through the armor of God. And God, I, I pray that that same truth that you have been speaking to me would be spoken over our plant family. In Christ's name, amen. Let's read together Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18. And as I have shared, we will be reading this every single week through. That means eight times you will be reading Ephesians 6. And my goal is that it would burn into your, into your heart, your soul, your mind. So let's read together. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you have, are able to, underline the word full. Not some, not partial, but Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We had talked about that the real enemy we are fighting against is oftentimes not the person we see, but the enemy behind them that is using them as a pawn. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And so we've talked about the belt. We've talked about the breastplate. We've talked about the shoes. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And so what we're going to talk about today is the next piece of armor. It is the shield of faith. Paul says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So let's talk about ancient Roman shields. Now, let me tell you about two different shields. There's actually three, but I just want to talk about two because these are the two that we can most relate to. The first is the Captain America shield. It was a rounded shield that was two feet by two feet, and it was specifically made for close combat. And so that was one type of shield. But the other shield, and this is the shield that Paul is talking about is called a scutum, S-C-U-T-U-M, scutum. And it's a shield that was three feet wide by four feet tall. It was made from wooden planks, and then it was covered with animal skin to give it a protective coating. On top of that, there would have been metal rings on the top and on the bottom. And then in behind, what it was, there was a metal ring that the soldier would hold on to. This was also, every time they went to war, they would dip the shield in water. Now, I'll get to that later on. But the shield was very unique. 
it wasn't that little Captain America shield, the two feet by two foot. It was three foot wide by four feet high. And this allowed the shoulder, the soldier to do two things. First, it allowed them to hold it because the way that they built it, it was light enough that they could go to war with it. So it shielded them from their enemy as they were going to move forward in advance and fight with the sword. But what it also did is it allowed them to be able to put it on the ground and give, it, give the soldier a form of covering. Now, I'm going to get to that in the future as well. So there's a couple things about the shield that we will be talking about. But what we need to understand is that this shield wasn't this little round Captain America shield that probably most of us think about. It was wide enough and tall enough that allowed the soldier in certain circumstances to hide behind, to be able to deflect the arrows and oncoming objects that were being hurled at them. And so think about this. The shield was bigger than what we think about. It wasn't this tiny little shield like me picking up a pillow during a Nerf war and just kind of shielding off whatever I can see and, and hopefully it won't hit me. No, it was big enough that if the soldier just lifted it up, it guarded the soldier's whole body. And so this is very unique. Every time Paul talked about a piece of armor, he was specific with the Greek verbiage that talked about the specific piece of armor that the Roman soldier was using at that time. So this shield was the common shield of the Roman soldier. And so let's talk about this idea of shield of faith. Very specific what Paul said. And so, so what is faith? I know faith is something we talk about all the time, but, but let's first look at what the Bible says faith is. And I want to give you two different translations. First, the, the NLT. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, what's in the future, but the truth is we can't see it. Now look at, let's look at the NIV version. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, and an assurance about what we do not see. So it's a reality, it's a confidence, it's an assurance that God is going to do what we believe God has spoken to us through his word and through his spirit. So let's kind of take the word faith a little bit more, because I'm giving you more of a definition of, of faith in a, in a spiritual Christian manner. What is faith? Faith is simply a verb. It's an action. Faith is something we do. Faith is something we step out into. I like to say this. Faith is a person's confidence to act on what they believe is true of God and who they are in light of him. Let me say that again. Faith is a person's confidence to act on what they believe is true of God and who they are in light of him. And so when we talk about faith, we are saying, first, I'm going to respond to an invitation to Christ and being in a relationship with God through Christ. What does scripture say? For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes, everyone who has faith in him will not perish but have eternal life. Think about the faith we have in Christ. We are believing 
that over 2,000 years ago, God sent a Messiah, and that everyone who believes in the Messiah is given eternal life. Faith. It's a confidence. It's an assurance that God acted by sending his son that we can have eternity. I love what Ephesians 2 verse 8 says. God saved you by his grace when you believed, when you stepped out in faith. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. And so when we talk about faith, it's imperative for us to understand that the first greatest act of faith that we take as a follower of Jesus is following Jesus. And how do we begin to follow Jesus? We begin by believing in who Jesus is and who we are in light of him. That we once were a sinner saved by grace. And now, when we come to faith in him, we are identified as sons and daughters of God. We are now saints who struggle with sin, but we are no longer sinners saved by grace. That's who we were pre-Jesus, but in Jesus, we are sons and daughters of God. But it doesn't stop there, because our faith doesn't begin and end in one act of believing in who Christ is and who we are now in light of him. Faith is then our daily response to God. And I think this is a part of, of really Western Christianity that, that we have forgotten. Ancient Christianity, even Eastern Christianity, defines faith as something that is ongoing. It's the process of sanctification. And I think that's something that we have to realize is that when we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to salvation, but then we move in a relationship of something called sanctification, which is the working out of our faith as we follow Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So faith is also our response to God. It says this in Hebrews eleven six, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Do you hear what that says? And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe, must have faith that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It's like the chair. Hey, I believe that, that chair can hold me. If I pulled out a chair and I, and I needed to sit on it, say, hey, I believe that chair can hold me. But the true test, the true act of trusting that chair is when I sit in it. And so when we say yes to Jesus, we then continue to say yes to Jesus as we respond to him in our every day actions. Faith is action. And so let's keep looking at this. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we are given the definition of faith. But for the rest of Hebrews 11, the author gives over 18 examples of people who walked in faith. Matter of fact, the, the title of chapter 11 is two different ones. One, it's either called Faith in action, that's in one translation. But in another translation, it's called great examples of faith. Faith in action and great examples of faith. So what are some great examples of faith? Enoch, he walked with God when there was no one else who did. And God looked over the earth and said, he's walking with me. What about Noah? Noah built an ark when rain had never flooded the earth before. 
talk about an act of faith. God says, I'm going to flood the earth. And, and Noah's like, I've never seen that before. And God says, watch what I'm going to do. Just be faithful. What about Abraham? Left his pagan plural faith to trust a singular God who called him to a life of worship. And Abraham had seen all these other gods that were false and fake. And Abraham knew that when he had that personal experience with the living God, the single God, he took that step of faith. What about Sarah? Sarah trusted God to be the mother of his nation even when she was barren. Sarah trusted that God had a plan for her life and she would be the mother of God's nation even though she was old and barren. And Moses chose to stand against the nation so that God's people would be liberated. Talk about an act of faith. Here you have Moses. He was, he was a son, an adopted son of the Pharaoh. He had everything that we as men strive for. And yet there was this burning conviction in his heart that said, this is wrong. This isn't right. I'm going to trust the unseen God to do the supernatural in the seen world. And what about Rahab, a prostitute, welcomed foreigners into her home in order for God's will to be accomplished? I love the definition of Hebrews chapter 11, the, the, the title, Great Examples of Faith, Faith in Action. And so this is what faith is. As we believe in Christ, we are stepping out, trusting God's word and God's spirit to lead us to live out the plans and purposes that he has already ordained for us. Now, if you, how many times have we watched a movie? And then we'll watch it again. And there's certain movies that we'll watch multiple times. We know the ending of the movie. What would happen if you truly believe that God had a plan and a destiny already written down in the book of life for your life. And all he's saying is step out in faith. Be obedient. Show up. Just trust the right way in which I'm calling you to live, right? We talked about righteousness. We talked about righteousness. Living right with God and right with others. And all God is saying, live right with me and right with others and watch what I will do in you and through you. And so Paul he says, take up the faith. It's a weapon. It's a piece of armor. And there's a very specific that when, when Paul talks about the shield of faith, he says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He says, take it up, pick it up, so that... When the enemy is attacking you, and he's very specific with how the enemy attacks. And for this piece of armor, he's very deliberate saying, this shield of faith is to deflect the fiery arrows that are going to be shot at you on a regular basis. So let's go back to history. Ancient Roman warfare. I had shared that this, this shield, scutum, was dipped in water whenever they went to battle. Why? Because the enemy armies and also the Roman armies would take their arrows and their javelins and, and objects and they would dip them in tar and pits. And they would light them on fire. 
And what's so interesting is, is that oftentimes we think that the reason why they were doing those was to hit the soldier, to plunge the soldier. Yes, that would happen, but once the, once the army saw these fiery arrows and fiery javelins and firing ob, fiery objects coming at them, they would hold up their shield and it would block them or it would plunge into the shield, protecting them. So here's why the enemy did this. The enemy did this to distract, to confuse, and to cause the armies to leave rank. And so the platoons would just kind of disperse, which allowed the enemy army a better chance of taking over the other army. And so here you have it, the enemy army shooting fiery arrows and the Romans taking their shields and holding it up. And some of the fiery arrows are, are going into the, the shield. Others of them are bouncing off. But in the midst of everything, there's confusion, there's distraction, there's disruption. And the army starts running away from one another. How true is that with us? Whenever we are having things thrown at us, whenever the enemy is attacking us, there are times that we can stand up against the fiery lies, the fiery attacks, but so many times, so many Christians just kind of scatter. And usually they scatter for this reason, is because they do not have a shield of faith that blocks the fiery arrows that are being shot at them. But let me go back to the shield. Why did the soldiers dip them in water? Because once the arrow hit the shield, the arrow was extinguished. They could pull it right out of the shield, throw it on the ground, and keep on running. And isn't that what we're supposed to do in our own faith? Every time a lie or an attack gets shot at us and it hits us, it goes out because it's a lie. It's not the truth. And we can pull it out of our shield and we can throw it on the ground and we can keep running. But come back to the Nerf War. I would always forget the shield. We need to remember the shield. Now hold that thought because I'm going to get back to it. I want to continue talking about the fiery arrows that the devil is throwing at us. Let me throw, you so, throw some of them out at you. First, fear. John, 1 John 4, 18 says, Such love has no fear. Perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for, it's for we fear punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Fear distracts us. Fear brings confusion. And when we're not standing in the perfect love of Christ, fear causes us to hide from God. Because we don't think God is big enough for everything that's being thrown at us. What about temptation? Keep watching and pray, Jesus said, so that you will not give into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. A fiery arrow is temptation. And each one of us has those things that we are easily tempted to do. It doesn't mean they're all the same to each other. My temptation, things that tempt me may be different than things that tempt you. But temptation is a fiery arrow that distracts us. What about doubt? But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled 
as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind, James 1.6. Right? Doubt. Think about that. If you saw all these lies and all these attacks, you don't have a shield, what are you doing? You are running for your life. Or let's say there's too much of them and your faith is not strong enough and you're just like, you know what, I'm caving under pressure. You're going to drop your shield and you're going to run for your life and you're going to hide in a place of isolation. What about lies? John 8, 44. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the fathers of lies. When the enemy lies at you, that is his character. That is who he is. I know that I'm a child of God. I know that I'm saved by grace. I know that, that no temptation has to seize me. I know that God always makes a way out. I know that I don't have to be tossed to and fro like a, like a, wa- like a wave. I know that I can stand in the assurance of who I am as a child of God. And yet, if I'm not carrying my shield of faith, I'm going to be weak. I'm going to allow the enemy to hit me with his fiery lies and fiery attacks. What about guilt and shame? What about hard times? What about busyness? Here's the one thing that we forget. We think about temptation. We think about guilt. We think about shame. We we, we think about doubt. We think about fear. And we're like, yeah, those are real big attacks of the enemy. But what about busyness? What does it say in Ephesians? This is what Paul says to the church of Ephesus. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I think one of the biggest lies and attacks of the devil is busyness. We do not know how to sit still. We are from New Jersey. We are from the Northeast. Even if you're not an A-type personality, you have some A-type personality in you because you live here. And to survive here means you need to, you need to learn to survive. Survival of the fittest. And so busyness, we get caught up in the lies. And we do the same thing to our children. We pour too many things upon them that they don't even know how to rest. I think one of the most healthy things during this whole COVID pandemic is that when you look outside, you're seeing kids playing outside, and you're seeing kids riding their bikes, and you're seeing kids playing unorganized sports. They're learning to breathe. Church, probably one of the biggest attacks the enemy has on your life is that you are too busy. You need to stop. You need to slow down. And then lastly, isolation. Hebrews 10, 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. When a soldier did not have his shield, he ran away from everybody. Or when a a soldier was feeling overwhelmed with too many things being hurled at them, they would retreat to a place of isolation. Do not retreat to a place of isolation. Each one of these are the fiery arrows, and there are more. But I just gave you a list of eight. Fear, temptation, doubt, lies, guilt and shame, hard times, busyness, isolation. These are all fiery 
arrows that are meant to distract, disrupt, and confuse you. I mean, what would you do if something was being hurled at you? It's like a Nerf war. When you see something flying, you duck or you run. But if you have a shield to be able to hold it up and deflect it, you can hold it up and deflect it. And so you can stand your ground. How many times in Ephesians 6 does, does Paul say, stand firm, stand your ground? But here's what's unique about this piece of armor. Paul says, take up the shield of faith. All the other pieces that we have talked about so far is what we have put on and stepped into battle. This is that one piece of armor that is not on us, but it's something that we need to carry into battle. And just like dad, Rob, would go into a Nerf gun fight without a shield because it wasn't on my first thought, Paul is saying that this is just as important as all the pieces of armor, but you have a responsibility to pick it up, to take it with you. And what I love about this is, is that it's not about how much faith we have or how big our faith is. And some people say, well, you have more faith than I do or you have more faith than I do. And it's something like we conjure up. And, and I'll be honest with you, I fall into that trap too. But here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, having the faith as small as a mustard seed can move that mountain. I don't think Jesus is really talking about that. No, Jesus was talking about that. The faith of a mustard seed can do the supernatural acts of God. And for some of us, the greatest supernatural act of God is winning every single day of our life as the fiery arrows are being shot at us. When Paul talked about a shield, he didn't talk about multiple shields. He talked about one shield, the same shield. And it's the same shield that I have is the same shield that you have and the same shield that someone else has. It's no different. We are all given the same shield. But here's what we have to realize. It's our responsibility to carry it with us every single day. Here's a thought I had as I was studying for, for this message. When we pick up faith, we carry God's promises that empowers us with his presence to shield off the attacks of the enemy. When we pick up our faith and we carry it every single day, we actually take God into our everyday. And so our faith is God's presence. And so when we take up our faith, we are taking God with us into every single fight. Here's what the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 35. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield, right, to all who come to him for protection. And not only does it say it in Proverbs, but multiple times throughout the Psalms, David had called God, declared God as his shield, his covering that extinguished the attacks of his enemies. When we pick up our faith, 
We are just carrying God with us throughout this day through the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. You're going to see a picture right now as, as I'm preaching of a military formation called the tortoise formation. The tortoise formation. We all know what a tortoise is. It's, it's like a turtle, right? That's what a tortoise is. It's a big turtle. Easiest way to define it. So this is what would happen. There were moments in battle, and this was a common formation, that the commander would call out tortoise formation. And he would scream it, tortoise formation, tortoise formation, tortoise formation. And all of the soldiers, as things were being hurled at them because they were being overwhelmed by the enemy, would all run together and they would form this tortoise shell that surrounded them. And so the, the soldiers in the front row would hold their shoulders up, their, their shields up, and they would duck. And then the, the soldiers on the side would turn, they would, they would put their, their, their shields on the side. And then the soldiers on the other side would take their shields and they would hold up the shields on that side. And so the front was covered, and the sides were covered, and the back was covered. And then on top, those in the middle would take their shields and they would rest it on their helmets. And they wouldn't stand there. But what they would do is they would advance together slowly. So as the enemy is hurling all of these objects, all of these fiery objects at them, it gave everybody full covering. So look at this picture. And have this image burned into you. Shields in the front. Shields on the one side. Shields on the other side. Shields in the back. And shields on the top. Isn't that what God says that he does? He goes before us. He goes behind us. He covers us. We are the army of God. And we are not supposed to walk through this life alone. We are not supposed to allow the enemy's fiery arrows to cause us to run and hide from one another. God is calling us to come together, especially in seasons when we are being heavily attacked. Hmm, heavily attacked. Pandemic, social unrest, global wars breaking out, an unhealthy presidential circumstance happening right now, debates, fighting, an election. People are on all different sides. You want to talk about being heavily attacked? We are in one of the most unknown, most bizarre presidential election we have ever seen in American history. We have never seen this much social unrest on so many different fronts. We have never experienced a pandemic here in over 100 years. And then there are people at war all over the, all over the world. Talk about now more than ever. We need one another. We need to form that tortoise formation and allow our faith and God to be our, our shield to cover us as we move forward. People of God, plant church. Gather with other Christians. 
Do everything you can to not live in a place of isolation. If, if online is the only means for you to gather with other Christians, continue to stay online. But if you can meet with other Christians in person, if you are able to come to church, if you are able to go to your life group, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters in Christ, now more than ever, I am telling you, tortoise formation. Gather together. Our faith, when we put it together, covers us more than we could ever be covered than being by ourselves. We are doing everything as church leaders to keep you safe on a Sunday morning gathering. We are doing everything that when you are having to be socially distanced, that you are being spiritually united with one another. Do not give up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But gather, as Hebrew says, to sing songs, to sing hymns, to listen to the word. Because when we gather together, we strengthen one another through each other's faith. And it's our faith in God that covers us and shields us. Together, may we walk in faith, knowing that God is going before us, covering us, and being our shield and protector. This is week five of our sermon series. And I believe now more than ever that this sermon series is so important to what we are walking through. We are in scary times. The word that everyone's using is unprecedented times. Yes, we are in unprecedented times. And more than ever, the church needs to be equipped to be able to hope that this world needs. People of God, pick up your faith. And if you do not have faith in Jesus, today know this. Jesus died for you that you would have eternal life. And Jesus wants to cover you from all the lies and the attacks that the enemy in this world throws at you. During this song of worship, let's do another spiritual act. I want you during this song of worship to, to pick up a shield. And if you feel that you are having arrows shot at you, I just want you to hold it up as you sing. If you feel that you are having this, this burden falling down on you, I want you to just put your hands over your head like a, like a shield. If you feel like people are attacking you from any side, just put your hands out and say, God, you are my shield. Today, I choose to take up my faith. And I stretch out my hands as a symbol that you are my protector. You are my shield. You are my cover. Let's worship together. Plan family, I want to thank you for joining us for week five of our sermon series, Gear Up. I really believe that now more than ever, we need to take up our faith, our shield. Because when we do, that's when we advance forward. And not only individually, but just as important, we advance forward together. Remember this. We're praying with you, and we're praying for you. Have a great day.
It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.